Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. You are good to see you. And uh, this together series that we've been running for the last number of well, since we started, I think back in August. And uh, it's a bit of a challenge trying to wrap up a series. I'm looking forward to the coming weeks. Next, Our next gathering service will be doing another baby dedication. And this time I'm going to do a whole message on why we do baby dedication. And then the service after that, we are going to just focus on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're just going to be praying for people. We're just going to be believing for miracles. We're going to inspire around the Word of God and bringing just that temperature of God's power up in the service, if that's okay, so be preparing for that. But, you know, this, this Thursday, 7 to 8, it's such a wonderful time. Just come and receive. We do a small devotional. There's communion for you to take. There's a, a space for you to, a corner for you to get where you can do one-on-one. There's ongoing worship. It's just an opportunity for you to get some space away from your spouse, from your kids, from that at home in your home or your apartment and just get with God and allow to minister well if you would wish. So I want to encourage that. Okay, so I'm, I'm preaching on together. I, I'm not sure what my subtitle is other than, hey, let's be together. Um, and I'm going to be bouncing out of the different messages that we've had over the last weeks, particularly Matthew from last week with some of the words of growing the seed in the soil etc. And here's a picture of my family up on the wall there. And that, that's, there's, there's a picture of me up on the wall there. There's a, there's, a pi- there's a picture on the wall. Is the picture on the wall yet? Yeah, okay. There's a picture on the wall and that's me scratching my bottom. Um, and... I'm the youngest of five boys, and it looks like we're ready to go to church. And we are. We were quite religious about going to church, my family. And we would go to church every single Sunday. We would get dressed up. And back in those days, ladies had to wear a scarf to cover their head. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole whys and wherefores. Uh, but we were going to church every Sunday, and as we got older and my brothers would go to youth group on a Saturday. It was called Saturday Date. And our church had a, the happening thing. We had a different Christian rock band come in and play every single Saturday. And it gathered young people from all over the place. But we also, something quite unusual. We went to church twice on a Sunday. Sunday morning and Sunday night. Who would have thought that that would be even possible today? that you would go to church twice on a Sunday. But we did, religiously, we went to church on a Sunday. But here's the thing about my family. We were so dysfunctional as a family. We didn't enjoy each other's company so much. Actually, there was a fairly high level of verbal abuse and neglect going on in the marriage and in the home. But we went to church every Sunday. If I could have the opportunity where I today could speak to that family, I would say this to them. Stop going to church. 
stop going to church. Can you hear me? I'm telling you, family. Oh, it's gone again. Stop going to church. It is not God's highest calling for you to go to church. It is God's highest calling for every one of us to be transformed into the image of Christ. That's an ongoing process of growth intentionality. To be transformed into the image of Christ. Like as a Christian, a good introduction is, Hi, I'm Quinton. How is your transforming into the image of Christ going for you? Stop going to church. It's not about going to church because we are the church. We belong. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not something we had to look for. It happened automatically when we asked Jesus Christ to come into our lives. We became the church. The church is not a location. It's not a building. It is our identity inside of us. So when I look at the family I grew up in, I cannot remember them actually having the kind of attitude where they belonged to the church, where they were planted into the church, where they were functioning members of a church. We would just go to church. So where do we get this kind of language from? And so we look at Psalm 92, 12 to 14. Psalm 92, 12 to 14. And some of you here today may be hearing this for the first time. Some of you may be hearing this for the fifth time or tenth time, and that's fine. I'm praying that all of us will receive a fresh revelation today. Coming out of the pandemic of 18 months, it's had its impact on everybody in different ways. Some more dramatic than others. But we can all agree for 18 months, we wrestled with not functioning as a church. It was a burden for all of us to meet on Zoom. To not be able to meet as a connect group because of restrictions. To not be able to enjoy the body of Christ coming together and worshipping to his presence. Because when we worship him, something shifts in my spirit. Something turns on in my heart. I just can't get it at work. I can't get it on the bus, but I can get it every Sunday morning when I come to church. And so when we look at Psalm 92.12, but the godly, or some translations say godly or righteous, the godly or righteous will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. I go, wow, that sounds amazing. The godly will do what? The go- Everybody say after me, flourish. Flourish. It's a funny word. It flourishes out of your mouth. Flourish. It's not the, exactly, it's not the sort of word we use that much in English today. We don't use that word very much, flourish. It's not like, you know, someone comes up and says, Hey, Pastor Q, how are you doing? Man, I am flourishing. I am flourishing, buddy. It's not like Joe goes to the gym. Joe's a personal trainer, by the way, if anyone needs one. Yeah. <clears throat> Joe goes to the gym. He's got his, got his mate there. He's pumping iron. 
<laughs> Joe turns to me and goes, man, you are flourishing. I just can't see it happening. It's a funny kind of word. But the psalmist uses it right here. He says, the righteous will flourish like two trees. Two trees that are completely opposite in my mind, palm tree and a cedar tree. It's kind of like, what? They're going to flourish. What does that, that, that mean? Thrive. When I think of flourish, I think of thriving, growing, being blessed and being a blessing, doing well. There's joy there. Flourishing, I feel like flourishing is contagious. I feel like it's catching to flourish that we would thrive and grow and prosper and be a blessing. The psalmist compares us to two trees, the cedar and the palm. I've worked with cedar timber, and and it's a beautiful wood. It's actually one of those luxury timbers. It used to be actually just like pine, just every day. They made pencils out of them. But then because they're such a slow-growth hardwood tree, they've become very precious But a cedar tree, why are we compared to a cedar tree? Solomon, when he built his temple, built it on the foundations of these huge cedar posts and beams and the torque stool and the the, the trusses were all cedar. They are strong and durable trees. That temple was to last for centuries. So what are you going to build it on? You're going to build it on cedar trees. Cedars are durable strong and fragrant. Cedar timber, when you've milled it, is beautiful to touch. It's the sort of timber, when you see it, you want to touch it. And it's soft to touch. How can it be strong and durable, but yet soft to the touch? If you just got your key, you could dig a little hole in it. If you hit it hard enough with a knuckle, you could dent it. But yet, it is so strong. And he compares us to this kind of tree. And then he compares us to a palm tree. This is a weird one to me. A palm tree. Palm trees are symbolic of victory and triumph. Victory and triumph. Victory and triumph. He's calling us a palm tree. Victory and triumph. During the Corinthian Olympic Games, when the athlete would race their, run their race and they would win, They'd be given not a gold medal, they'd be given a palm branch to symbol that they have triumphed and and created victory for the race. When Jesus rode on his donkey to the great triumphant entry, people lined the streets with palm branches and threw palm branches onto the road for him to ride his donkey across. So we are two trees, the cedar and the palm. We are strong, durable, fragrant, nice to be around. But yet we are also victorious and triumphant. So I want to ask you today, when we're thinking about these two trees, when we're thinking about the cedar and the palm, I want to ask you, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? Well, Pastor Quinton, I'm flourishing. 
Pastor Quentin, I'm growing. I'm blessed, Pastor Quentin. I feel strong. I feel pleasant to be around, stable. It says here, but the godly, the righteous will flourish like palm trees, will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Who will flourish? For they are planted in the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. The scripture doesn't say, go to church and you will be flourished. You will flourish. It says, they are planted in the Lord's own house. And then I I love verse 14. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. I'm encouraged by that. Because I feel like I've I've gone over the tip of the numbers of my age. And everybody has met people that are in their senior ages and there's something about them. They've got this vitality and this freshness about them in their eyes. Their, their bodies might be looking of age, but there's something inside of them that is still awake. You know what I'm talking about. And I, when, I, when I read this, I think about that kind of person, and I definitely want to be that kind of person. But unfortunately for some of us here today, you wouldn't say that you're flourishing. You might say, instead of saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm spiritually flourishing, you might say, Pastor, I'm, I'm spiritually dry. Instead of saying, yeah, I, I'm thriving emotionally, you might say, no, Pastor, I'm emotionally withering. Or instead of saying, I'm, I'm connected relationally, I've got this wonderful cross-pollination in my relationships and I'm feeling it's giving so much to me and I'm giving so much to them. You might say, instead of saying that, you might say, I'm feeling relationally alone. Or you might say, instead of saying, oh, Quentin, I'm prospering financially so much so I've got room to be generous. When actually, you might be hurting and strained financially. You might be somebody here that is searching and looking, searching and looking, looking and searching, unsatisfied, hungry, wanting something. I've got to tell you today, whatever you're looking for in this world will never satisfy. The world offers so much and delivers so little. I'm looking for that magic job that's going to, Set me for life. I'm looking for that relationship that's going to bring that security and comfort that I'm longing for. None of these things in themselves will give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. I go to church, but I don't feel like I'm flourishing. So we need to recognize as we look at and just skip through Matthew 13. Matthew mentioned it last week. It's a familiar parable that our life is a seed. It's an awesome parable. The more Every time I preach on this, the more I study it, the more revelation I get of the significance of this parable. It's easy just to skim over these four examples of seed. But what Jesus is saying here is our life is a seed. A seed has tremendous potential. Just that one little 
has so much potential for growth, to multiply, to produce fruit as Christians, to bless our city and bless others. But here's the thing, a seed that is not planted, a seed that is not planted is dormant. It's not dead, it's dormant. It's just there. It's doing nothing. It's fruitless and unsatisfied, unproductive. Our life is a seed. And as I mentioned in that last passage on 14, to be vital, to have a vitality about you in your older age, to have a fruitfulness in your older age. And I think, well, you know, Susan and I, we, we, we've crossed the halfway mark and there's many of you here approaching the halfway mark of a life. In the 14 years that we've been here, Susan has been to three, of three funerals, her mother, her father and her stepfather. I've been to my own father's funeral. We've seen four family members die in the time that we've been here. And when that happens, when you get to that age and stage where you start to bury your parents, you start to think about next. You start to think about that seed. I wonder how that seed's maturing and growing. Is it be flourishing? What do I need to do in my life to make sure these years that come count? Life is short. So many people on their deathbed have so many regrets. And I, I work hard. I'm, my decisions are all about, will I regret that if I don't do that? Life is a seed. We have one opportunity. One life. And so when we look at Matthew 13, let me just go through this. I know you are familiar with it. Matthew 15, 13 is about the farmer, the sower casting the seed on four different kinds of soil. The first one, just quickly, is the path. You see, you've got the field, and between the fields, you've got a path where the farmers would walk. And as they would cast the seed, and some of that seed would fall onto the path because it's all trodden down and all clay dried, the seed would just sit there and the birds would take it and steal it. That's one category. Can I just say, when Jesus talks about these four categories, he's talking about someone that fits into every single category or one of the categories. All of us. He's speaking to all of us here today. We are one of these categories. The seed thrown on the hard ground, the bird stolen it. That's the person that's completely unopened, unreceptive to the Spirit of God. The seed's got nowhere to put root down. The second one. The second one is about the one that took some roots down a little bit. Got some soil, but not the best. Put some roots down a little bit. And the very thing that is supposed to create life for that little seedling plant ends up killing it because the roots don't go down deep enough. The Bible says, or Jesus says, that seed died because of the sun. It couldn't handle the sun. The roots didn't go down deep enough. That would be the shallow, immature Christian who can't cope with the very thing that's supposed to bring life. And they never grow up. You see, my, my, my mum would equate length of being a Christian with level of maturity. She would say to me, oh, 
so-and-so is a very mature Christian. They've been Christian for 35 years. You know where I'm going with this. It is not time. It's intentionality. It's intentionality. And there's a lot of people going to church with very shallow roots. You see, one of the problems that we have is that we're really good at seeing people come to Jesus and get saved. We're very intentional about creating ways to do that. And there's so many different ways to do that, and that's great. But discipling them into the body of Christ. Discipling them to not go to church, but be the church. Discipling them to be planted and be discipled and be open and receptive to the word of God, active in their lives through relationships. That's what we have failed at as a church around the world. We've created a generation of go-to-church Christians who have very shallow roots. And circumstances of life as the next point that Jesus makes, this seed had potential. Its roots went further. It saw the people could see the potential of this one. But here's the problem. All the weeds and other plants choked the life out of it. There's so many things in our world that rob our attention. So many issues that overwhelm us and want to, our default is to withdraw and as if that's going to help you. When actually, in our flourishing, we can still face some of the most difficult circumstances because our flourishing is corporate as well as personal. Your flourishing is going to help me through my hard times. Where you're at in Christ is going to strengthen me when I'm overwhelmed. To be planted together, we are the body of Christ. Our identity is on the inside of us. Here's the last seed. So the first was it landed on dry ground, the birds took it. The second was the sun made it wither and die. The third was it was choked out by the cares and concerns of this world. Took our eyes off Jesus. Stopped going to church. The th- fourth one, this, this is one that we struggle with. This is, we, we get the others, but this one. Jesus says it went, the roots went deep into great soil. The roots were f- just <clears throat> straight down. And he said... The natural result of that was multiplication 30 times. You can't help it. It's a guarantee. 30 time multiplication. He doesn't stop there as if the disciples and the people listening aren't going. He goes, let me take it further. 60 times, 100 times. There's something supernatural about the body of Christ coming together as one. There's something supernatural. There's an oil. There's a blessing. There's an anointing when we all buy in and be the church. That our identity is the church. And when I come to church, it's a non-negotiable. It's not a discussion. You know, for for some of us, it's like, are we going to church today? Because... Didn't we have that thing on? Aren't we taking the kids to the park? I heard about that restaurant I wanted to take you to. My colleague was sharing about it at work. Maybe we can take the kids to the park and then go to that restaurant. Are we going to church? 
It's kind of like asking, hey, are we catching that movie we talked about last week? Are we catching that movie Sunday afternoon? Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon? It's the same tone, same kind of posture, the same kind of language. It's like it's negotiable, the body of Christ coming together. When I read this, I go, I'm a son. You're a daughter of the living God. I can't have a relationship with my children with a thumbs up, a like, and a one-line comment. Although, at sometimes I feel like they're very happy with that level of relationship. I can't have a relationship over TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse, Snapchat, and the list goes on, whatever the latest thing is. Can't happen. I have to gather my children in my house where we can fellowship, where we can eat fantastic food, where we can talk about our lives, where we can instruct and encourage and build up and cheer up. My children belong in my house. I am their father and I love them. I love being with them. I need to be with them, and I need them in my house. You get the picture. I was amazed. I was running a high school ministry many years ago, and I, had a, I thought I'll take my leaders out for lunch, and there's about 10 or 15 of us around this table in this restaurant. And we we were waiting to order and things like this and there was a, a pause for a moment and everybody reached into their pockets and pulled out their phones. Get this, it wasn't an iPhone. Samsung phones didn't exist. It was a Nokia. It was a Motorola. They pulled their phones out and they had little screens that were either yellow and grey or grey and black. And they had to push buttons with three letters on it and they had to keep pushing that button till they got the right letter. (laughs) They all did it. They took their phones out. Instead of having a relationship around the table, they were SMSing, and you know it was like three words because it takes so long. An emoji doesn't cut it. I was told when Facebook came out by the younger generation, oh, this is going to build relationships and strengthen and deepen. I'm going, rubbish. You can only do that when you come together. It's no substitute. Ecclesia. It's a Greek translation of the word church. Ecclesia. It means two things. The Greek, if you want to really dive in to Scripture, learn the Greek translation because the English doesn't completely cover it. And you start to get a whole new perspective on Scripture. Ecclesia means church. Gathering, assembly. Gathering, assembly. Two words, gathering and assembly. It also means called out. The first part of the word means out and the second part of the word means called. The called out ones. So we are to gather and be called out. 
We are to gather together and be unified. We are to gather together and honour and worship God. We are to gather and corporately hear God speak through his word. We are to gather together and function as his body using our gifts and the resources of who we are. Ecclesia, gathered to be called out. You see, church is not for Christian consumers. You know, we we consume teaching all over YouTube and, and podcasts, and it's great. I think it's fantastic, the opportunity we have to just log in and hear some awesome teaching from somebody somewhere else in the world. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of rubbish out there too. But I'm discerning that we're all wise enough to figure that out for ourselves. It's awesome to be able to access anointed, wonderful teaching. But that person, that pastor, that preacher is not your pastor. That is not the church. Going to a conference is really, really important. Because why? We, we get lifted up. We get strengthened. We hear these wonderful messages. God speaks to us. We enter into the world-class worship, etc., etc. But it's not the church. The church is this local community of believers gathered together, ministering by the power of the Holy Spirit and his word and building each other up for the cause of reaching this city. Reaching Lund, Helsingborg, Trelleborg, Skåne, Malmö. That's the body of Christ. Our little corner of it, our flavour of it, that's the body of Christ. So we are planted. I am planted in the house of God. I am planted in the house of God. I am not a consumer Christian. I am here not for myself. I am here for everybody else that's not here. I am not a consumer Christian. If I could ask the band to come up and I'll wrap up. If I could just ask everybody to stand up just before we pray and as we pray... Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes in the presence of God. Let's just take a moment in his presence. You might be here and say today, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. But I know, Pastor Quinton, I've, I've never heard a message like this before. I, I just went to church. I just went to church to get a buzz, went to church to get a word, went to church to help me emotionally. I've never heard about being planted and putting my roots down, to give of myself to be a part of a functioning body. I want to encourage you today in this moment just to say to Jesus, I want to be planted. I want to flourish like a palm and like a cedar. I want to flourish because I need to be planted. 
I want to be planted so well that the sun will not make me wither. I want to be planted so well that a bird will not steal me away. I want to be planted so well that the cares and concerns of this world will not choke Jesus out of me. Maybe you're one of those folk that are saved, you know Jesus, and you've only ever thought about just, hey, I'm just coming to church. A bit like my parents, just going to church. Can I encourage you today? Just make the decision. I'm going to go to Connect Group Sunday and be a part of the fellowship of the table. Church in a smaller setting. I'm just going to make a decision. I'm going to be there. I want to contribute to the atmosphere. I want to contribute to the faith. I want to contribute to the conversation that people will be encouraged by the words that I speak because God is speaking to me. I'm just going to make a decision and commitment to come to Sunday gatherings where the body of Christ comes together as one. I want to invest myself and give of myself and join a team and be a part of building this body. Be a part of being this church to give of myself, to give financially, to give emotionally, to give spiritually. I want to come on Thursday night and pray with people and see God speak through me and encourage others. Or I want to come on Thursday night and just receive encouragement because I I need it right now. Lord Jesus, We love being your sons and daughters. We love being your kids. We love gathering in your house. We're overwhelmed by the fact that you want to gather your children to keep us to the core of Jesus Christ, to empower us by your word and your Holy Spirit. And today for all of us, Lord, in our hearts, we just say yes and amen. Build your church by your spirit, Lord Jesus. And the gates of hell will not prevail in this city. Build your church by your spirit in me and through me, Lord Jesus. And the gates of hell in this city and in Lund and in this province of Skorna will not prevail in Jesus' mighty name. We commit ourselves to you in a whole new way this year. We love you, Lord. We are just so thankful, Father. And we welcome your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.